Bible's open to Luke chapter 2. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we come to you. Again, uh, speak to us. Speak to us in the waiting uh, and in the watching, in the hoping, in the longing, uh, in the sorrow, in the sighing, in the rejoicing. Speak to us by your word in these days of coming, these days of Advent, and walk with us until the day of the second coming. Amen. The word Advent is uh, a word that simply means a coming. And we've entered into this, this season of Advent, uh, anticipating the coming of Christ. Now, in a very real sense, he's already come, right? Right? Okay, yeah. Just, you got to preach it back at me. He's come. So why are we celebrating Advent if he's already come? Well, I suppose we could, we could nuance it and say, well, Christmas is coming. So we're, we're expecting the coming of a celebration of his past coming. And that would be true. But the reality is we celebrate the first coming in anticipation of the second coming. This, this is an end times celebration. We look forward to the return of Jesus as he comes again. And we do that, we focus on why he came and the reasons that are there come right from the word, right from the text. He came. And Mary, we know as a, from the scriptures, a thoughtful woman, right? Uh, in Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, it says that she treasured these things. Really kind of a, a unique word, a unique term. She treasured all these things in her heart, pondering them, mulling over uh, the meaning and the content. We can advance one slide, please. Thank you. It's repeated again later in Luke chapter 2 that she would treasure these things. And then Simeon, uh, at the dedication ceremony of baby Jesus, he says to Mary, he says, a sword will pierce your heart too. So Mary is a thoughtful woman. And she's considering, treasuring, pondering the realities of Jesus in her heart. Those truths are going to pierce her uh, as a, in some ways only as a mother's heart could be pierced. The death of her son. What is it that she's treasuring? Last night we enjoyed a, a pretty special uh, concert and one of, the, one of the songs is Mary Did You Know? And, and I guess we'll come to this this passage, her, her song, uh, Mary's song, this, these are the, the realities of what she's pondering. And not just the events of the shepherds, not just the events of the star in the sky, not just the magi, not just the angelic hosts, certainly who could forget those things. But we have a real detailed account of the kinds of things that she's mulling over, pondering truth in her heart. And as she sings this song, she invites the rest of us to join in on that song and consider why Jesus came as he did. Now, Joseph is a thoughtful guy on his part too. It does say in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 20 that he's contemplating these things. 
That word in Matthew chapter 1 is really a strong word. And it has the idea that he's really ruminating, actually stewing over the details of the events. Because his, his betrothed wife has been found to be pregnant. And that doesn't make you a happy camper. And, and the word is really, it, we, we have it kind of softened in our English translations. But it's a pretty strong word. He's stewing over these things. He's, but he's thinking. He's thinking. Contemplating these things. Well, we began, we began 2023 um, celebrating our, our 90 year church birthday, our 90 year church anniversary, with that phrase, ponder anew what the Almighty can do. We're going to keep pondering now as we come to the close uh, of this calendar year and the beginning of the church year. Pondering these things of Jesus coming in our hearts. Did Mary know? You betcha. Yeah, sure, she sure did. Um, we're going we're gonna to look at the song itself, beginning in verse 46. This is about God. But as we look at these first verses, it's about Jesus. It's really a, an interesting turn of events that, that come throughout the wording. But this, the song begins with one word. In our English doesn't quite get it. It's close. But in English, you know, we learned last week, it's subject, object, predicate. Right, Sammy? Yeah. Subject. Yeah, yeah we got it. You got to keep reminding me. And so we, we in order to make it fluid, we, we do that. But the first word, the first word that comes out of Mary's mouth is magnify, exalt, extol, lift up high, magnify my soul, the Lord. It's a strong word. And, and because it's this word magnify in, in, the, uh, in the versions of that old day, it's, this song is called the Magnificat. Magnificat. It's, it's a Latin term for the song. In fact, there's four songs that go throughout Luke's gospel. And he becomes, one, one person has said, he becomes the first hymnologist of the church. He's got four hymns that are here. And, and it reveals something to us that's important. Truth is to be sung. The gospel itself is to be sung. Singing the way that we do is, is really a Christian distinctive. It's got substance. It's got content about Jesus. And we sing. We even sing in parts at times. Magnify the Lord. Yeah, magnify I don't know about you, but when I, when I hear the term magnify, I'm usually thinking way back into, into high school science class and looking in the microscope at the little amoeba that's been shot with dye moving around in the slide. Can you, anyone identify? That's typically what I think about when I'm magnifying something. I'm looking at something tiny, microscopic, and I'm standing over it kind of master of the universe and 
it's getting bigger for me so I can see. Now, is that what we're doing when we magnify the Lord? You can answer no quicker. No. The one, one preacher turns it and says, what we really ought to be thinking about is the telescope. It's a magnification, right? But it's, it's a way of magnifying something that's way out there, distant, far beyond, high, and lifted up. It's something enormous that from a distance may look small, but when it's magnified, my vision is enlarged so that I can see a glimpse of how vast that is out there. God is infinite. God is eternal. God is unchangeable in all that He is and all that He does. This is good. He's infinite love and joy and peace. Infinite hope. And He's not going to change. He will always be infinite love, joy, peace, and hope. He's never going to change on you. But He's infinite in all of this beautiful quality. When we magnify, it means we want our vision to be enlarged of who God is. And Mary, uh, with the psalmist, would, would invite us to join her in magnifying the Lord. The psalmist in Psalm 34, Bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. What a call to worship. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. The coming of Christ, the presence of Christ, induces worship from the humble heart. It induces, I had to use the word induce. Just had to. Are you, are, you, are you pregnant with the joy of the Lord? Wow. I, I long for that. I yearn for that myself. I seek that the joy of the Lord would be my strength. Each of us have different dispositions, different temperaments, personalities, and some of us fight a little bit harder in that capacity for joy. But we all fight and we all struggle. We all labor for the joy of the Lord to be our strength. We rejoice in God. And Mary tells us why. My Savior. God, my Savior. My Savior. I mean, what, what does Mary even understand about salvation at this point? Hence the song. Mary, did you know? Did you know he was going to deliver you? I love the song, by the way. I'm, I'm not picking on it in any way. I'm just answering the question. Yeah, she does. <laughs> Savior. God, my Savior. And here's, here's, a, here's a, this is poetry, okay? Who loves poetry? You don't have to raise your hand, but, you know, you love poetry. Who, who enjoyed studying poetry in school? 
Yeah, a couple of you. The rest of us are like, what is it saying? This is poetry. There's some artistry and there's a turn of phrase that's going on in here. God, my Savior. She's exalting Christ right here as her Savior. He, how does that work? Well, God, my Savior, she exalts. Joseph, we kind of have to you know, bring the whole narrative together. Joseph was, is at some point, not yet in where we are in Luke chapter 1, but at some point, Luke, uh, Luke Matthew, Joseph, yeah, Joseph. Joseph is going to learn that not only is Mary expecting but that she's expecting by the Spirit of God. So in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 20, uh, the angel appears to Joseph and he says, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Spirit and is holy. I know your translation probably said is from the Holy Spirit. But it could also be read, that which is conceived in her is from the Spirit and is holy. Now, why is he coming? She'll bear a son and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. What is this child going to do? Save. Save his people from their sins. And the angels later are going to announce on that night of his birth, Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, the angels say to the shepherds that are out in the field, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior. Who, who was born? Who was born? The Savior was born. And Mary is saying, God my Savior. I, I, I really believe, suspect... In the turn of phrase, Mary in this wording is exalting the baby in her womb as God the Savior. Does she know this? She knows this. This is what she was told as we, as we read. Greetings, O oh favored one, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. His name will be Jesus. You'll he will be great and he'll be called the Son of the Most High. Verse 32. She knows this and she magnifies the baby within her womb. And is this not what, is this not what Elizabeth had just done? Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary back in verse 41 and, and the baby within Elizabeth leaped for joy. And Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and this is normally what happens when, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit is that your, your mouth changes what it says. And that's what happens immediately right here for Elizabeth. Praise comes out of her mouth. She's filled with the Holy Spirit and she cries out, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me. Elizabeth knows it's God in the womb. And they worship the child prenatal. 
John, Jesus' cousin, John, the forerunner. They've never met before. And it doesn't seem that they met and had much interaction even from this point until Jesus comes to be baptized. Because John says, are you the one? And Jesus says, yep, let's fulfill righteousness. John, the pre-born baby, leaps within the womb. He can't, no one can hear him as he's filled with the Spirit. So he leaps for joy, walking and leaping and praising God. These, these hymns, someone has said, are the last of the Hebrew Psalms and the first of the Christian hymns. This is what we do. We sing, joy to the world, the Lord has come. How could Mary, how could Mary compose this? Now you can read, you can read those commentaries that we talked about uh, last week, not the specific ones that, that we identified. Those are, are solid ones. But you can read any number of commentaries and they're going to, at some point along the way, argue um, those that don't hold to, you know, real authority of the Scripture are going to say, there's no way that on the spot uh, that a 17-year-old maiden would be able to come up with this poem. Now, how, young ladies, how do you feel? A bit slighted. It's usually guys who make these comments. Sorry. But us guys who have been in poetry class with you, we know you can do it. But the question is a valid one for us to consider. How, how could this young maiden have brought this kind of poetry with this kind of content of worship of the Lord God? Well, she knew her Bible. She knew her Bible. The, the gospel is, or this, this, this song is filled with Scripture, it's filled with allusions, echoes of the Bible, the Old Testament. Um, one, one real expert in the Gospels, he says that it either quotes or alludes to verses from Genesis, Deuteronomy, 1st and 2nd Samuel, Job, Psalms, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Micah, Habakkuk, and Zephaniah. Wow, it would take me months to trace and figure out all of those illusions. That'd be fun. Mary, Mary knows her Bible. And she brings all this, this content together in worship. You want your kids to be worshipers of God. The best thing we can do is to teach them to sing the scriptures. To sing the truths of the Bible. It's the best thing that us older ones can do too because it gets harder to memorize, doesn't it? But we can remember the tune. Singing the Christmas story. Mary worships with her whole being. My soul 
magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. This is, this is picking up, you know, that, that uh, teaching in Deuteronomy 6, 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. And Jesus refers to this in each of the, each of the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your might. Mary is worshiping with all her being and all of her thinking. She's worshiping. She's bringing an offering of all that she is. Now there's going to be another woman later in the life and ministry of Jesus who near the end of that tenure on earth is washing his feet, anointing them. And she just can't stop washing his feet with her tears and wiping them off with her hair as a cloth. And here's Jesus' observation of her. He says, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This woman worships with all that she is. All of her being. Down at the feet of her master. Her Lord. Her Savior. Dispensing all of her life resources and all of her life's energy to worship. We, we think of this season as the one of gift-getting. And if we're a little more mature, it's about gift-giving. But it's typically very horizontal. But this season is about magnifying the Lord. Exalting in God our Savior who has given to us. And we give Him all that we are and all that we have. This holy Savior induces worship in the humble heart. And He, li he lifts, or he, he looks upon the humble heart. Verse 48, he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Now, as you go into verse 48 and 49, how many fours do you see? F-O-R. You count slower than I do. You see four? F-O-U-R? For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who has mighty has done great things for me. You're right. <laughs> wow. You're glad you're Bereans, right? Checking up on the pastor. Well, there's three that really start a sentence, right? 
These are, these are the reasons for her worship. He's looked upon her humble estate. Now, Mary is indeed a servant girl uh, of normal class, social class of the day. Normal meaning low. Yeah, they're from the house in Lineage David, but you know, those days are way gone. And the tribes have been dispersed. And there is no throne in Jerusalem. And they're way down the line. But she's favored. She's favored. And, and the, measure, the measure of her humility is seen to some degree in how she receives the word of the Lord. Back in verse 38, Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. I am, I am the slave of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. The servant is one who hears the word of her Lord, trusts the word of her Lord, and then yields to the word of the Lord. Hmm. Maybe, maybe in, on my Christmas list, needs to be that other tune. Make me a servant. Make me like you. Yeah. Verses 42 to 45. Elizabeth. Why is, why is, why is Mary blessed? And Elizabeth says... Verse 45, blessed is she who believed. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Do you believe the word of the Lord? The humble heart believes the word of God, trusts the word of God, and submits to the word of God. Yields to his purpose and his plan and way for you. And we're called to believe in the same way that Mary believed. Mary believed the word that God would fulfill it. And we have the written documents and record that he did fulfill it. And so now we believe that he did. But the content of our faith, the content of our belief is the same. It's God kept his promise in Jesus. And the wonder and awe in the heart of Mary is there because God has looked upon her. She is awestruck that God would even take notice of her at all. But when he looks on the humble, he does something. He's not just gawking. When he looks, he, he intervenes with blessing. Verse 40, it ends that way. They'll, they'll, they'll call me blessed because I am blessed because God noticed me. God looked on my situation. He looked on my estate. His face shined upon me. Isn't that the benediction in Numbers chapter 6? 
the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. And the New Testament picks up on the same notion. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6, God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. When God looks upon you, he does something. He intervenes and he shines forth his brilliance, radiance in the face of Jesus Christ. It's like the Christmas carol, silent night, holy night. Son of God loves pure light. Radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus, Lord at thy birth. Radiant beams from his face. Now, I don't suspect that, you know, if we had a photograph of baby Jesus in, in, the, in the hay, that you could actually see the light emanating from him. But nonetheless, Hebrews 1 says that the image of God himself radiates in his son, Jesus. God in the flesh. And this is where we see God in Christ. And we magnify him. And he does great things for the humble heart. From now on, they'll call me blessed. He who is mighty, verse 49, has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Holy is his name. Another, another one of those word plays that she's thinking about the baby in her womb. Chapter 1, verse 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, Mary, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore, the child to be born to you will be called Holy. Oh, his name is Jesus, but his nickname is Holy. Something like that. He will be called Holy. And Mary now identifies Holy is his name. She's worshiping the baby in her womb as the Son of God. As the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. No... Nothing weird going on. God simply created in the womb of a woman the same way he created the universe. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the, spirit, and the, the, the earth was formless and void, and the spirit was overshadowing. Brooding, gestating the universe into being. And if God is the creator, and his word says so, and he created the, the universe by his spirit through the word, then it's, it's, it's nothing to consider that he can do the, the neonatal kind of creation 
within the womb. Something out of nothing. It is reasonable. It is logical. It's true. And the Creator God has come to redeem in the face of Jesus. So, Father, Lord, please make us open to these truths. May we receive the realities of this scripture. Holy God, we praise your name. We magnify the Lord of our salvation who for our sakes took notice of us, of our lowly condition, became lowly himself. You gave him a body to offer as a sacrifice for our sin. And we're never going to be the same again. And we too can say and sing, we are blessed. Because Jesus is our Savior. You've done mighty things in our behalf to renew, to renew us in spirit and soul and kindled a love within us. And you who are holy, would you make us holy through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.